0: You're listening to the substandard model. Trees have eyes, guys. Trees can see you. Run. Get inside. Henry, Keep your children. My safe. answer Sam, that's <laughs> no no, that's not okay. Kinda of just like I don't care, I like zombies killing people.
1: God didn't choose them for their digestive heaven that we shall ascend to when yeah. we die
0: fungus grows into a big chunky tumor next to the brain
1: two words bochila trifoliata
0: You've got to stop with the Latin names as if there's some no, big revelation no, I that have everyone's going to gonna be, to wow,
1: say, wow, wow, of no,
0: triculata. I have to be
1: saying the Latin name. I have to be saying the Latin name, Henry, because that's what I'm goddamn, that's what I'm goddamn paid to do, okay? <laughs> and in this case, it's actually kind of relevant. Trifoliata, that generally represents the name of something that has three-pronged leaves, right? Try foliage you know that's the deal but like like ivy Ivy, for example yeah that's that's where the name comes from and that's why it was named trifoliata but bikini trifoliata doesn't generally have three-pronged leaves and i'm going to explain why so some people went into the amazon a while ago to look for plants and they found this plant and it was a parasitic plant. It was a vine. You know what vines are like. They, they climb up other trees, and they don't bother to do big root systems. They don't bother to support themselves. You know, they're just a bit spit-cheeky. And they grab onto other trees, and they use them to get as high as possible and get as much light as possible. They're vines. You know what vines are like. Yeah. And they found a vine, and they were like, okay, here's a new species of vine. We're going to call it the trifoliata because it has three little lobes on its leaf. And then they went around and they found another one. And this one had only one lobe on its leaf. And they were like, okay, let's just check the species. Oh, this is the same species as the other one. This is also Bacchila trifoliata. That's weird. All right, we'll call it the same. Okay, we found another one. And they kept going and they found one with two prongs on its leaf. And they were like, huh, all right. This is also Bacchila trifoliata, apparently. Okay, I'm just going to accept this. And as they went on and people discovered more and more individuals of this particular species of vine, they realized that their leaves always looked different. Every time they found a the new one, and they didn't know why. And then a paper came out, you know, reasonably recently, not too recently, but a few years ago when it was discovered. And it was like, we found out a cool thing this vine does. It's not completely unique, but it's pretty cool. It does. It does mimicry. So what this plant does is it mimics the shape of the leaf of the tree it's climbing. What's the this point of the that? Fact. Right. So yeah. Well, you might ask that. So let's say... It's let's not say like a tree, tree has d-
0: eyes and goes, oh, that's, my, that's my leaf right there.
1: Well, no, no, no. That, that's not so much what it's about. It's potentially... I mean, there's a lot of theories of why it does this. One of the theories is potentially if you've got a tree that has evolved for like a high shade environment, it probably has the right shape of leaf for that. Yeah, that's so what I was thinking. It's like,
0: if you're a vine and your tree like this tree sitting here and the reason it's survived is because its leaves are working whatever exactly yeah it must be working so you copy copy it's 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 leaves leaves. yeah
1: you copy it's leaves because you're they're assuming that they're sort of copying the evolution of their host they're like this guy's this guy's got triple pronged leaves probably has that for a reason maybe we should have triple pronged leaves as well yeah let's do that
0: here's a follow-up question we've kind of glossed over this we've kind of just gone all right they copied the leaves cool like, yeah, yeah. How does a vine look at a tree it's climbing and go, like it reads its genes and then copies the leaf shape, or or does it see Spot the off. leaf shape and then tries to grow in that way using I don't know phototrophism or something?
1: Well, this is this is the theory. This is the uh, the old the classic the classic theory that they were proposing when they when they made this when they realized that they were mimicking. In that paper, they were like, "Here are some reasons how it might happen. It probably is through." Volatile organic compounds, because everything in plants is to do with volatile organic compounds or VOCs. Everything is. And what that is, is plants are always releasing these gaseous compounds that have carbon stuff in them. And then they go to other plants and they tell them what to do uh-huh. and they tell them if they're stressed or if they're growing or whatever. Well, and we do the same thing, is,
0: don't we, with pheromones?
1: Exactly. That. It's like a plant pheromone. And what they think is the vine is probably reading volatile organic compounds and it's using that to somehow figure out what shape the leaves are and they're growing, adjusting their their growth accordingly or even cooler, horizontal gene transfer. Maybe there are some bacteria on the host plant and they're using them as an intermediate to take some of the genes from the host plant in order to grow into a new shape of leaf. That'd be kind of cool. But they had loads of theories. They weren't 100% sure why. They didn't bother to research it. They were just like, yeah, we know a few plants that do this anyway it's kind of cool that they can mimic their host. It's what these leaves can do is they can mimic, this is quite impressive, they can not just shape. I made it sound like it was just shape. They can mimic up to 11 different characteristics of the leaf. This includes shape, vascularization, so how many, how many like, xylem projections you're sending to the nodes of the leaf, the uh-huh. color of the leaf, uh-huh. how the different, loads of different, the thickness, yeah, yeah. loads of different properties of the leaf can all be mimicked by Bacchia trifoliata. Really clever. So yeah. they were assuming it was a chemical mechanism. This is, it was kind of left on the back burner for a while. And then a paper came out last year, which changed that. Oh, this paper,
0: Oh, science so what this chills. Paper did, Can someone grow one of these vines on, let's say, an oak tree in a lab? Like a tree that it wouldn't have been exposed to before and see what it does.
1: Oh, oh, they've for sure done that. What this paper did is this paper did a similar thing to the other. So it got a vine and it grew it around a host plant and it did it at a certain level where there weren't any leaves and the vine stayed the same. The level where there were leaves, you could see the leaves changing shape to match. The level where there were different kinds of leaves, you could see it changing shape to match. They proved they can mimic, blah, blah, blah. They saw a strong correlation of mimicry, right? You had all these graphs, this, this trait was mimicked, this trait was mimicked, very strong correlation. It's all working out very well. Nothing too surprising yet until i tell you that the host plants they were using the host plants they were growing these vines around were made of plastic
0: oh shit so
1: they oh, were fake plants fuck, i'm
0: uncomfortable sam i'm uncomfortable so
1: Be- trifoliata trifoliata
0: was mimicking it the, the shape plant. it's hard it see the plastic plant? leaves this is the moment so where it's like not... trees have eyes guys trees can see you, run, <laughs> get Yes. above ground, get inside, Henry, keep your children my safe. Answer,
1: my answer to that is yes, because this paper published last year proposed plant vision, plant ocelli, microstructures inside the cells of plants, which have been proven to be able to do some kind of compound eye thing. They proposed this as a mechanism for plants seeing the shape and color and vascularization and 11 different thickness and 11 different traits and copying them in their own growth what the fuck what the fuck i'm so uncomfortable i'm so uncomfortable jesus christ that's fucking gross
0: (laughs) it's fucking gross sam (laughs) Sam, that's no no that's not okay because it sees the plant and then
1: it decides it's going to change its genes to grow what it sees Yes. Yes. And listen, this is a speculation. It's published last year. No one, the real, the real answer is nobody has any fucking clue how they've done this. (laughs) That's not cool. I don't like that. This plant just decided to mimic a plastic plant. No. So there are organelles, there are organelles inside some species of algae, which are basically compound eye. And they're called they're called oxaloids, And they can do the same thing we can. So they can alter their retina size and their retina shape in order to take in different amounts of light. And these are these, these are organs. These are organelles inside of cells. And they've been known for a while. They're quite cool. They've been found homologues of those. So similar organelles inside plant cells. So people have been wondering, oh, oh you know, plants can see kind of. And they proposed plant ocelli or ocelloids as the mechanism for this, but they have no evidence, right? All they've done, all they've done in this paper is prove that plants can copy plastic plastic leaves. That's all they've done. Everything above that, there's no more research on it. This is last year. I've got the heebie-jeebies, man. I'm like... I have no fucking idea. I've got goosebumps. That's not really, that's really uncomfortable to think about. So it's not volatile organic compounds because it's plastic. There's no genes in a plastic plant. It can only be sight. And they can copy so many things i don't understand, I don't get it, and' this it's, is it means... it's
0: copying the internal structure as well, right or like oh yeah, yeah, there?
1: yeah, it's co- I mean things you can well, it's kind of things that you can see on the outside, like you can see how many veins are in the leaf, and they're copying that, or how, how close it have to be to the leaf before it copies before it what oh, oh,, this is interesting, so it copies the plant that it's closest to, not necessarily the plants that it's wrapping around, so if you're wrapping around a particular plant and then you move a leaf closer to it with a different shape, it'll copy the closer leaf. Oh, so it's irrespect- definitely, ir- it's irrespect- definitely the seeing. It's It can see shit, it's Sam. It's definitely saying It can see shit. I can't see it. I mean, they, they thought it could see shit. I don't, I, I don't want to think it can see shit, but I can't think of a reason that they can do this.
0: Sam, what if you put something color. that's not a leaf next to it? What if you put a drawing of a leaf?
1: <laughs> like some writing. <laughs> Help, I'm a plant. We will come for you i don't know no one's done that yet no one's done that yet this paper was last year henry they're probably doing it now in some lab and they're going to publish it in two years time when they get peer review but the problem is this kind of topic has been completely taboo for pushing 30 40 50 years now plant intelligence has been this genuinely quite impressive field that i had absolutely no idea existed because it's been condemned as like by most people it's been condemned as like a kind of niche thing. And that was the fault of one paper, are one book ready? in the sixties. Was... Oh my God. Genuinely, this whole week I've been kind of thinking, what if in fifty years time we're telling our kids I can't believe I used to eat carrots, now they're my best friends and you know, they share my workplace <laughs> and they have rights. Like I can't like, yes. get that out of my head. This is how, how many it years are we just this chopping how... down trees and making them into houses? This is how these are, I mean, this is what we used to think about animals. People used to think animals are the same, like you know, they didn't have consciousness or were stupid and we could do whatever we wanted to them. Like, what well, if that happens? I don't know, I'm not saving anyone, I'm killing all these goddamn chickpeas. I feel terrible. Like <laughs> we have well, okay. they have eyes. <laughs> they have they have eyes. Listen, I'm gonna go through the case of plant intelligence right now, like in a little bit of detail, not too much detail, but it's really quite annoyingly quite solid. So the the reason, it was first proposed by by, by Darwin. So Darwin, in his paper, 500-page paper called On the Movement of Plants, in the final concluding paragraph, and he did that a lot. He often would be like, mention his entire point in the last paragraph of a 500-page essay. And he basically said, I don't see a particular reason to discriminate between the ends of root nodules and the brains of lower animals. And what he meant by that was, plants are much, much better at sensing than we are far more evolved they can send up to 15 chemical and physical parameters in their root apexes and respond to them right people have known for a long time plants can plants can hear sound so a plant hearing the sound of a chomping caterpillar will express alkaloids a plant hearing the sound of running water will move towards it plants can learn The mimosa plant, which closes its leaves every time it's stimulated, people would repeatedly drop the mimosa plant. And every time it dropped, it would close its leaves slightly less until it learned it wasn't dangerous. And it would stop closing its leaves after it was dropped a certain number of times. And if you would then stroke it a different stimulus, it would close its leaves again. And it could relearn not to close its leaves to certain stimuli, the plant could learn. Henry, you put two vines away from each other, they'll grow together. I mean, plants, plants can recognize their own family. And they can differentially send their own family resources through fungal networks. That plant, like, for, like they can recognize floods. Data has shown like, that they, show they have cooperative relationships between different species at different times of year when they're better adapted to taking in the sunlight. They can share resources with the other plants on the condition that at the other time of year when they're worse, they get a reciprocal relationship. They get given resources back Same. from their partner at different times of year. So th- this has been slowly building up over, like, over like the next last 50 years Sir. and i like there's genuinely quite strong literature on this but no one's gonna ever acknowledge it we, we we kind of fetishize the neuron we assume there's something about the neuron that leads to intelligence and we, yeah, we look magic. in plants we look in plants and we don't see a brain and we think it, it's not smart But plants have things that are essentially the same as neurons and venus flytraps they work by having you know ion channels and stuff that work in the same way as neurons they have the same chemicals general anesthetic works on plants as well that's how similar they are to us you can stop a mimosa plants from closing with anesthetic the same one you'd use on a person <laughs> that's sus that's really sus it's really fucking sus and i just why don't we anesthetize like, plants before chopping them down <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like a question we <laughs> can start we're, asking because
1: we're arseholes because we're arseholes but the thing is we're not even on the surface of it because we're looking at these these realms where we can see plant intelligence to us like plant movement and stuff but plants don't live in that world Plants live in the world with chemicals over millennia of time. Like, if you were a bacteria, you would look at a human and think it was just a stationary mountain and an object that's immovable and stupid. And the same way we look at trees. Trees just live on a different time scale to us, but they're doing behaviors that are just as complex. They have as many nodes of information as we have in our brain, just through different, like, in terms of pure nodes of information, you have that in the plant. You have up to 11 million root apexes that are all connected. That's more nodes than the Internet can have. Like, you have, I mean, in terms of sheer complexity, there's no barrier between plants and intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of complexity, there is no real barrier between plants and intelligence. I mean, they have, I mean, in many ways, they're more evolved than us in every parameter we could care to measure. They don't have societies, but why would they? They're just they? different. Mean, Can I make a quick comment? Yeah. Yes. Unless yes. you're desperate to say something. No, I mean, not Do you know really. when we
0: talked about the Fermi paradox in the paradox episode? Yes. And you said the idea of intelligent life, the Fermi paradox is why haven't we seen aliens if the universe is 13 billion years yes. old and you know, exactly. it doesn't take long for intelligent in inverted commas life to evolve. I.e. We evolved over like 100,000 years, which is really not that long, right? Yes. Or, or, you know, depending on where you want to start the clock. Um, but, but 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 Sam says that the reason that they've not come to Earth, aliens, is because they're not interested in coming to Earth. Because the idea of intelligence is entirely put through our own lens of what's important to us. So what's important to us is a social life. But con, you know, we, need, we need conversations. We need family. We need um, you know, interaction, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, procreating, mm-hmm. maintaining our genes. I mean, just look at ants or other you social animals like the termites. Their entire yeah. social system is completely different to ours because all of their genes are the exact same they're individually they're all cool with dying for the colony because they know that their brothers and sisters are exact genetic copies of them we don't have that that's not to say that we're more intelligent than them it's just our priorities are in different places so who's to say that unlike this alien who's not looking for us because its priorities are just in things that aren't you know discovery and social stuff we want to socialize with aliens really that's what it comes down to that's why we want to go into space and look for stuff right
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. But but
0: aliens don't want to socialize with us. And what was it, the film Nope, you said there was just this giant disc alien that came and ate people. (laughs) And it only came because it was just kind of hungry or whatever. You know, its it's, it's priorities were completely different from human priorities, right? So who's to say that trees are not super
1: intelligent but just have completely different priorities from us? I mean, like, throughout our history, we've measured and quantified intelligence based on similarity to us. And we haven't ever bothered to justify that. But that's how we've done it that's how every intelligence every iq test every like time we've tried to measure learning or self-recognition or social ability every time we've done that we've measured intelligence in another organism as a metric relative to how we value our own intelligence and there's no reason for us to like there's no i don't see a reason for us to i mean plants have a completely different evolutionary goal to us they have a completely yeah. different lifestyle They're sedentary why would we expect mm. them to have a similar I mean, type of intelligence look at look at the data what are the most intelligent
0: animals? Well, they're all mammals, for one. Weirdly. <laughs> the closer you
1: get to people, they yeah, get and closer, the closer to intelligent. Great apes <laughs> are
0: somewhat more intelligent than other mammals. Yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. <laughs> and the closer yeah. the great ape is to a human, the more intelligent it is.
1: What we've I done mean, is we've picked a let's specifically look at this, human shape you know, and just decided yeah. it's important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Chimpanzees are more right. human than blue whales and blue whales are more human than ostriches yeah
1: big deal (laughs) you're right you're completely right like who's to say a blue whale wants
0: to become more human like there's no reason for a blue whale to evolve into the intelligence in inverted commas that we have
1: like if I bet if we decided that our digestive system was super super important and we valued our whole identities around it, we would do the same thing by looking at the digestive intelligence of different animals, and we decide that chimps are the most digestively intelligent, and then most mammals were close seconds, and then you had in, invertebrates they're very digestively stupid because they're nothing like us. Plants aren't even comparable; they're so idiots in terms of digestion that they don't even they they're, they're lower beings. God didn't choose them for their digestive heaven that we shall ascend to. When yeah. we die, you know, we just fucking made it up. We made it all up. And plants might be just—I don't know, I don't know. They genuinely raise ethical questions that I thought were stupid. Yeah, and I had to read a lot of papers before convincing myself that this isn't stupid. And I think we'll look back on like the debate on plant intelligence as a good example of a time when culture has really influenced scientific progress. Because when plant intelligence was kind of first proposed seriously. It was proposed by a guy called Cleve Baxter or Cleve Baxter. Baxter. He, he was an idiot. He wrote a book, a very, very pioneering book about how plants can basically like read his, read his thoughts. And he published a book where he was like, if, he, if you fry live shrimp in a pan compared to dead shrimp next to a plant, the plant will show analogous action potentials. It will show a greater degree of electrical signaling, showing that it's distressed or like an individual that has killed a plant, a plant can single out from a lineup and show more distress towards, like he did these ridiculous papers that were completely discredited and were unreproducible by the scientific community. And for that reason, for the next 50 years, it was really, really difficult to publish a paper where you are in any way arguing that plants could have any kind of intelligence because it was perceived in this way. It was perceived as something, you know, so stupid because of this, history i mean at the end of the day we're never going to get to a stage where we're saying we shouldn't eat plants because we kind of need to eat plants i'm going to be honest if we yeah, can't eat a- plants or animals i mean plants have evolved specific organs so they can be eaten by animals like to a certain extent they want us to eat them but yeah. um like it's plants a and animals have a, they have an a intertwined and
0: wonderful world history intelligent yeah. creatures create their own body parts that they want to
1: to be eaten by other creatures. The things that plants, I mean, honestly, they're so underrated. They're so cool. I could make the next 20 facts about plants if I wanted to, but I won't. I mean, there are plants that like mimic a female wasp. So a male wasp comes onto them and then once they land on them, they catapult the male wasp into their pollen sacs with like a massive arm and it levers them into the middle of the flower and the wasp flies away covered in pollen and all its friends are like, haha, you fell for the plant that looks like a female wasp. And then there are plants that mimic rocks so, animals don't eat them. There's just like, oh man, there's just so much cooler people give them credit for.
0: There's been a show that came out recently based on a video game called The Last of Us.
1: Oh my god, my mum is so. Oh, you're going to do cordyceps. You're going it's... to do cordyceps, aren't you?
0: Yeah. Cordyceps yeah. is a really large strain of fungus. But the particular ones that are interesting are parasitic cordyceps. Yes. Do you realize how cool they are?
1: I realize that they're very Why very have cool. we not
0: done this before now?
1: It's such a, it's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's at this point, it's almost cliche as a fact, but that doesn't mean there's not more to explore with cordyceps. Like, oh my God. It's just, yeah.
0: Right. You know, the, have you seen the videos? You must've, I mean, you love biology. You must've seen, have seen. cordyceps seen... is like peak biology.
1: Yeah, the ants that climb up sticks and get the thing. I'm not going to spoil but that's it that's such a complex use- movement. So,
0: so cordyceps is a fungus that grows in the rainforest, right? And it basically is, its job is to kill insects and then grow out of insects because that's what it likes doing. So yes. it's grown out of this insect corpse, let's say. Releases spores. Insects below get covered in spores. Spores go into the insect. They get into the central nervous system of the insect. They get into the brain of the insect, at which point they control the insect's complex movement to make the insect fully climb up a plant to a specific height. And it climbs to a specific height on the plant. Then it goes onto to a specific leaf on the plant. What it does then is it grabs hold of the leaf. If it's an ant, it bites down on the stem of the leaf really hard in a sort of locking bite so that it doesn't fall off, make sure it stays on there. Then what happens is it kills the ant. Then it eats the whole of the ant from the inside out this fungus grows out of the top of the ant and then releases more spores for more ants below what's really cool about this is that the place where the ant is forced to bite down is usually the same exact height so the same pressure same humidity same temperature and you know if you hadn't already guessed it these are all perfect conditions for fungal growth so what happens is the fungus gets into the ant mind controls the ant like a zombie because the ant's pretty much dead at this point right <laughs> it moves all of the legs of the ant and the pincers and the eyes and it knows what it's doing direction wise and holy shit it you know it can te- it can detect uh, local temperature and it can know what height it's at and it can know what direction it's facing and the first scene of the last of us show I mean, it's a fantastic show, Sam. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch that show. It's a really good. I've show.
1: seen. I saw the episode where Nick Offerman was gay, and it was just lovely. It was just a. Great it's a good episode, of my but, but
0: but the first scene of the show is really good. I actually preferred some of the other episodes because I'm not really a fan of uh, I don't know heartthrob stories. <laughs> I just got a bit bored <laughs> by man. that. I skipped through a lot of that actually. You know, Everyone shitting. Everyone's saying it's the best episode, but I was kind of just like, I don't care. I like zombies killing people and like really depressing <laughs> zombie stories. I like that more and stressful scary situations that you know anyway so the first scene yeah, of the that, show yeah. is a 1950s talk show and this guy's talking about this fungus cordyceps fungus no vaccine no medicine right and the reason we're mm-hmm. not scared of it right now and no one talks about it apart from when they're talking about the last of us because they're video game nerds is because it only works in on uh, it only grows in organisms whose body temperature is low it's got a low body temperature like an ant. Not that mm-hmm. low, still 25 degrees or whatnot in the rainforest, right? Or or you know, mm-hmm. between 25 and 30 degrees. So not that low, not that much lower than ours, but still low, right? And then mm-hmm. the way that scene ends is he says, or, or something uh, close to ending, is he said there's no reason for the fungus to evolve a way of living in a warmer body, apart from, say, if the world were to get warmer, at which point there's evolutionary pressure for the fungus to evolve an ability to grow in warmer environments
1: oh i love that so much i didn't even know they did that i knew that they had like oh that's so cool it's Man, such a good show what a clever game Then
0: they say then they say then it gets into flour and grain or something in jakarta indonesia yeah yeah and then they ship it around oh, the world and then people have it and it's delayed and then they've got mycelium in people's mouths and it's so sick Since
1: that bit where it's like the reason we survived is you didn't have your Weetabix that day or like I was going to buy a flower at the shop but it sold out and we were, that's so clever Yeah. oh man, if I came up with that idea I'd be so bloody proud
0: the game's great, the game's great and the the movies, the the show's really good it's not finished yet, I'm on episode 7 as of recording but episode 8 comes out on Monday next week so Mm -hmm. I think it's 9 episodes so 2 more to go, really really good good to catch up with that how in the hell does a fungus control the brain of a living organism? Or
1: well, just... What do you mean by it? so it's it's about chemical signaling, essentially. So different parts of I mean, I mean if I'm honest, I mean the the bod- the way the way insects I mean, you know how insects' legs move. It's a hydraulic system, it's yeah, yeah. an Um it's a bit more complex than ants, but it's it's a similar vibe. And it's essentially controlled by by just sort of applying muscular pressure to different parts of the animal. And there's evidence that the, hi- the fungus sort of hijacks. it's I mean, like, it's just a, it's, it's just a question of the, the virus that hijacked the right bit survived and the virus that hijacked the wrong bit didn't. I mean, they, it's just they have such an extreme selective pressure in this environment. Because in jungles, if you're low down, your spores aren't going to get very far. I mean, a fungus has a really extreme advantage when it gets its spores a certain distance. Like it wants to spread its spores as far as possible in the right conditions. And because fungus have quite fast reproductive cycles, they can, get, they can evolve quite quickly. And a fungus that can get up to a high elevation in any way possible, be that growing to a tall height or climbing or growing on trees or whatever, any fungus that can get to a specific elevation has a really advanced advantage compared to funguses that can't do that. I mean, an ant is just one way of doing it. I mean, fungal infections are quite common in insects anywhere. Like, it's just the fungus. I mean, often you'll have insects that are like twitching, right? Or insects yeah, that are yeah. like in, in a state of. I mean, it's just that that happened in the right way for a certain fungus, and then bam! It's, it's it is mind blowing. It's just a mind blowing example of evolution.
0: Right. So I've got here. Sure. I've got no, here a timeline of how confusing. it works. Okay. Right. Step one gets into the ant's cuticle, which is. What, the the shell of the ant right so it gets through musical, that and it just, yeah, does, musical, that. Like, it just yeah. does that using enzymes that like chitinase lipase and proteases which get through the surface of the ants shell once it's gotten into it's the grown. ant, mm-hmm. the fungal cells migrate so they sit physically next to the brain of the ant and then it grows next to the brain of the ant like a tumor right And it says once mm-hmm. the population is of sufficient size. It secretes compounds. So the two compounds it releases are, it says sphingosine here and guan-dinobutyric acid or GPA. GBA, Mm -hmm. Guan-dinobutyric acid. Of course it's GPA. So both of those, both of GBA, yeah. Both compounds are known to be involved in various neurological disorders in humans, apparently. Hmm.
1: (laughs) Huh.
0: So they also Hello? think there's, a, there's another there's another chemical to hypo, hypoxanthine which is also in there. So hypoxanthine works; it alters the motor neurons of the ant.
1: Ew. Jesus,
0: this is really complex. Well, Bite mean, grip at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's good. But
0: basically, it stops the muscles from working and also gets inside the muscles, forcing the jaws to close. Right. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So if we were to sum up that basically enters the ant by dissolving some of the shell and also banging its way in travels around the ant's body ends up next to the brain grows into a big chunky tumor next to the brain like a fungus right releases chemicals that cause the ant to become delirious and climb to a certain level right one and then it infiltrates all the different parts of the ant's body like getting inside the muscle cells atrophizes muscles break down the muscles muscles become weak and crappy fungus takes over forces the mandibular jaws of the ant to close around a, a leaf stem and then the fungus fully consumes the animal's body and then releases
1: spores out the back of its neck that's so cool i mean the bit that gets me is the direct is i think it's the same as you like how does it it can't be the thing that controls the ant to climb the leaf it must hijack the ant there must be a bit of the ant's brain that's like go high and it turns that on right it doesn't Mm -hmm. just like move the legs to climb high surely it just like turns on I don't know it's surely the ant is the one doing the direction it just controls the motivation Mm -hmm. right what's interesting about that
0: Sam going back to the cocaine Uh conversation yeah yeah just control a little bit of chemical motivation in the brain and the entire lifestyle of the animal is changed. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. So the zombie thing with The Last of Us. Imagine you <laughs> just make the motivation biting people.
1: So is that how the cordyceps is spread in in um
0: yeah, it says biting people. Uh, in the game there's also spores but apparently that's harder to do cinematically. What they do do in the in the in the cinematic uh, in the show which I really like, they do a bit of wood wide web. Oh, lovely. So they create a fungal network in the cities somehow with the cordyceps so that when you step on a bit of fungus in one area, the fungus communicates with other bits of fungus in other areas saying that something got stepped on there. So all of the... And because it knows as like a one singular organism that it knows that it didn't step on stuff, all of the... They're called runners. All of the infected people run to that area to see if there's something to eat. Also, put it this way, Sam... Okay. There's yes. enough psychotic there's psychotic people in the planet who want to eat human flesh. And that's, <laughs> that's caused by chemical imbalances in the brain. I mean, you can have oh chemical God, imbalances yeah. that cause depression. You can have chemical imbalances that result in psychopathy. Chemical imbalances that makes you want to kill people, eat people. So if you just had a fungus that like getting into your blood supply, going to your brain and then decided to make you want to bite people so that they give you more fungus... In a very similar way to the way Toxoplasma Gondi works. so
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the rabies virus makes you want to bite people. That's what it does. That's why it makes you aggressive. It it transmits it through saliva. So it makes you salivate. Uh It makes you not drink water so you don't swallow your saliva. And it makes you bite people. That's Uh how the rabies virus transmits. So
0: basically my evaluation of this is, The Last of Us is kind of feasible. (laughs) Sam, do you believe in
1: time travel? Yes. Uh, okay,
0: what kind <sighs> of time travel?
1: Forward in time, slowly. Each individual ant is kind of very stupid.
0: P e for proton, which is 2.793 mu n, and mu n equal to negative 1.93 mu n, 1836.
1: That was a rough bit of podcasting there.
0: Look! <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And essentially, it's potential energy, like, like all things are.
1: Pineapple eats you
0: regenerate into a world of pain (laughs) okay 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 do people say the old okay okay Uh, how are we doing this okay basically (laughs) (laughs) and that's because the whole of enceladus the whole moon is being squished and squashed by saturn i'm gonna be
1: honest it looks like the death star
0: sam have you heard of glass frogs oh
1: yeah they're great no you better not know this about glass frogs is it the thing that came out this week about why they're so secret oh fuck No, i think i don't know i don't know henry do we all have a fantasia do you know what microtubules are
0: uh i mean i can imagine it's a it's a small tubule isn't it oh spot on yeah (laughs) you would have an electron field we're not experts let's just put it out here because we've been recently alerted by my mum that some of her physics professor friends may be (laughs) listening to this podcast um and that that made us feel bad, I'm not going to lie to you.
1: Yeah, Beth Henry's mom is always, is always crucial for a good podcast, I think. Alright, Sam. Henry.
0: You're listening to The Substandard Model.